All right, Bart, we are live. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Well, it's good to be here, Zach. It's good to have you back. And um, I, I have just been blown away, Bart, by just, first of all, your your show, The Hired Marketer, is just a fantastic podcast. All the work that you do and consistently do to upskill <laughs> yourself and increase your content offerings. Like, I, I remember Kaler Solutions and, and, and finding you years ago when I when I was yeah. actually I learned a lot through your free content when I was trying to figure out what hired marketing was and right. what enrollment marketing was and you you've taught me a lot but it's what what's really cool to to see is how you've continued to up your own game like that's really hard to do but you've you've been doing it really well thank you I appreciate that it, it is hard to do I mean it takes it takes some intentionality I mean I think a lot of people I mean I I'm an exer and so it's it's you know I'm I'm getting older but I think it it takes intentionality to say you know what I'm not gonna rest on my laurels I want to keep changing and keep you know pressing myself I I just got a, a presentation that I did right before this uh, this call and this recording and uh, one of the slides I use in every one of my presentations is a is a is a quote from Alvin Toffler. He wrote a book in 1970 called Future Shock, okay. and he's a future. He was a futurist. He's he's since passed away, but his quote says, "The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn." Hmm. And I think that's something that I've really tried to. I came across that maybe 10 years ago, and I've put it in every presentation I've ever done. And I think it's one of those things, especially in the world that we are today. I mean, I used to talk about it in in relation to digital marketing because it seems yeah. like digital marketing is changing every you know three weeks. Well, AI is changing every day, yeah. and so you've got to really be able to kind of hold what you're knowing and what you're learning loosely. And uh, and so that's been something I've been trying to be intentional about: is how do I use time to actually you know, learn myself so that I can, I really feel called to be, well, kind of a, a curator of content for people that just don't have the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're, you're doing an excellent job uh, with that. And one of the questions right at the back, I, I want to talk all about AI and you're putting on, um, I guess by the time this recording drops, you will have just yeah. put on this awesome summit and uh, we'll have links to, uh, will the recordings to this be available for, for purchase part? Yeah, you can purchase okay. the recordings afterwards. Perfect. So we'll have links um, to to that in the show notes. But Bart, my big question for you is, as things like AI come onto the scene, and you, you've you seen lots of change in marketing generally, you've, you've seen a lot of change in how higher ed has responded to changes in marketing. One of the things that I often struggle with is how do you determine how much time to invest in sort of like the new and the next versus continuing to optimize the existing, right? Like things like ChatGPT and understanding how to craft great prompts, right? You you could spend, and I have spent, an embarrassing <laughs> amount of time like working with with it, right? right? And and yet at some, it's in, it's incredibly powerful. There's there's a lot you could do with it, and and you know, we're just scratching the surface with content development development sure. with respect to generative AI, but how do you how do you personally determine how to weigh the balance of of investing in the new versus all right let's continue optimizing our email subject lines right and and not just for for you in your own marketing efforts for Kaler solutions but also for for your clients like is right. there a percentage or a threshold that you that you use or a framework to help you decide where to invest time I wish I had that formula because I think I could, <laughs> I think I could sell it and and do quite well. No, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm an intuitive person, and so I, I lean a lot on my intuition. And yeah. so even even uh, as I as I kind of you know reflect back on my career, I mean, I remember in 1994 I went to my boss at the time. I'm you know 20 24 years old at right out of college and graphic designer in this agency in Dayton, Ohio, and I was going to the uh, uh, to, to the Wright State University in the evenings, my wife was doing her graduate work and I would just hang out on their card catalogs because it was connected to the internet. They had this thing called mosaic and, and uh, uh, you know, it, it was, I, I would go and surf these things and I would be like, this is kind of cool. It seems like it's got graphics. It might be something designers and marketers would want to do. So I told my boss at the time and I was like, yeah, I think this might be something. And he, he assured me it was a fad and that the internet was not going to be anything. And then he went and <laughs> sold a website and I had to figure it out. So I, I've, I've kind of always throughout my career. I mean, I, then I did a website for my alma mater and, and you know, that, that was in 98 and that was real early for higher ed. And, 
And, uh, you know, in 2005, I was really deep into web 2.0 and mm. I, you know, I made a presentation about, you know, Hey, this fall, it's going to change because this little website called Facebook is going to be available to everybody. You don't have to have a .edu. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's, it's crazy things like that. And so I guess I am one of those intuitive people that I, I see something and I think, okay, this is, this is new. This is going to, this is going to be something that changes. Cause I mean, you and I both know in the last 10 years, there's, whether it's, you know, the latest pay-per-click, whether it's the latest social media fad. I mean, you know, we thought be real was going to be the big thing coming next. And, and, and you kind of have to get to the point of where you have to have it, you know, hold on to it loosely enough to say, okay, I'm just going to let that go. And I just have to, I have to move on. Yeah. Or I have to say, you know what, there is something here. I'm going to have to dive a little bit deeper. One thing that's beneficial right now with generative AI is that it does provide you a lot more time because once you understand it, it's almost like you can create your own time. Mm. And so, um, you know, what used to take me maybe five hours to put a report together, I can, I can do it now in, in, in a half an hour. I mean, I've talked a lot with, uh, you know, our friend Jamie Hunt and, and she's, she's really kind of leaned into it for, you know, we're all busy professionals. Yeah. We've got, you know, you know, 35 meetings a week or whatever, 35 hours of meetings a week, whatever. It's really difficult to carve out that time. And, and Jamie was, you know, talking about the fact that, you know, Hey, if I can get 10 minutes between my meetings and just have chat, do something for me to at least yeah. get a start on something that I can react to. Cause I mean, one thing I've, I've realized in my career that people and myself, uh, it's, it's easier to react to something than to be proactive towards something. Hmm. And so if I can get chat to do something that I can react to, I can go a lot further and faster than if I have to just stare at a blank screen and say, okay, how do I start this thing? Yeah. And so that might be one of the ways that if, if I were to give anybody any advice is figure out how you can kind of switch the tables on everything coming at you to, to not react in a, in a negative way, but react in a thoughtful way, as opposed to just trying to start things from scratch all the time. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And one of the things that I've actually felt I, I've found it like most helpful is is just using it to help summarize content and and context and just and just be, be able to be like, hey, I don't have the time. Maybe it's even a podcast, right? And I might be like, hey, here's the here's the actual transcript of the podcast. Can you just give me like a quick summary of what was interesting about this podcast? And and. And that is, has actually helped me be able to like engage in in community with folks a little bit more because there are so many even just in our little our little world of higher ed marketing there are, there are an increasing number of shows and podcasts and, it, oh, and yeah. quite frankly it's just it's impossible to stay on top of it all but yeah. if I you know respect an, a, a creator I want to listen to their work I listen to it when I can but sometimes I can't but I they have an intriguing post and so I'll literally take this the transcript I'll throw it into ChatGPT I'll ask it to summarize what the topic was about. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, you know, so-and-so talked about this. Cool. I have I have thoughts on this, and I'll I'll comment on the LinkedIn post or whatever it is, yeah. even though I haven't actually listened to the podcast. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's fully inbounds. I mean, to me, yeah. I think it's using it's using a tool. And yeah. so I've I've been trying to help a lot of people realize recently, because a lot of people are like, oh, this feels like cheating, Bart. I I shouldn't do that. I should actually listen to the podcast. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't answer with authority. I'm yeah. like, no, it's it's a tool. I mean, you're yeah. already listening at it at 3x anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you know, or you are, you know, looking at something. And I mean, if I showed up to build a house and you hired me and I came with a hammer. Hmm. you know, just a simple hammer <laughs> and you see the guys next door using pneumatic nail guns and all these new technology, you would question my ability. <laughs> and so we have to recognize the fact that we have these new tools. Yeah. And if we choose for whatever reason, just out of stubbornness to not use them, then that's on us. I mean, yeah. we have the opportunity. And so I applaud you for using the tools to say, Hey, I want to engage in community. What's the best way for me? Cause, cause your intent is the right one. Yeah, I want to engage yeah. in community and I want to do yeah. so from a thoughtful understanding way. Yeah. If you've got a tool that gets you there in less time, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, but this is a, what we're sort of like dancing around right now is this, is this kind of core topic that I wanted to discuss today that, you know, came from, came from you, Bart, which I thought was great, which is this whole idea of like AI literacy and what this will mean within the context of higher ed over, over the next few years. Right. Yeah. And and obviously, what what we're talking about, uh, what we've talked about already, is this idea that if you're not using these tools effectively, and other people 
are using these tools effectively and in increasingly learning how best to leverage these tools, how to integrate them, et cetera. When it comes to just even simple task execution, they're just going, some, some individuals are just going to have a leg up because they figured out how to craft right. great prompts, for instance, right? And I want your thoughts on what, what this means from your perspective for, for higher ed marketers. Like, how do you believe all of this will transpire? And what are some things that I think, what are some things that you think we should all be aware of and, and, and paying close attention to right now? So I think that one of the biggest challenges for higher ed marketers uh, is, is that being literate in these things. And, and so I'm going to back up for a second. And I've, I've yeah. had probably five or six conversations in the last year, 18 months with um, different schools that I'll show up on. And these are, these are fairly, you know, decent sized schools and I'm doing an audit of their marketing and, and you know, they're, they're allowing me to, they're wanting my expert opinion. So when I'm going through some of their budget, I'm like, okay, what is this $2 million here? This is a yeah. big, this is a big chunk of your budget. Yeah. Um, Cause you're a smaller school and they're like, oh, that's the, uh, that's the local cable company. I'm like, yeah. are you guys doing cable ads? Oh no, no, no. They do all of our pay-per-click advertising. I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. What, what, how's that working for you? Oh man, we get amazing conversions. I was like, okay, how many students are coming from those conversions? Well, we don't know. I said, okay, tell me about the conversions. What does that mean? And they're like, oh, well they write us a report every month and we have like a thousand conversions a month. And I'm like, do you have a thousand forms filled out a month leads that you get? No. Should we? Yeah, you should. And when you start peeling it back, it's like the literacy just on something yeah. like pay-per-click advertising, it all of a sudden you realize they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And yeah. they've had somebody that's just been, you know, selling them a case of goods that has cost that school where they don't really can't afford to lose two million dollars a year. Yeah. In a way that is it's heartbreaking to me. Because I mean, yeah. I think and and it, you know, you might say, well, that's that's the fault of the um the vendor, they, they shouldn't do that. That's, that's, you know, unethical or whatever. Well, yeah, it probably is, but it's also, there's some literacy that I think is higher ed marketers. We've got to be aware of what we're, yeah. what we're investing in. And if you're writing big checks and signing contracts and stuff that you don't understand yeah, and you're just trusting whomever it is, I mean, I don't care if you're trusting me or Zach, I think you've got to ask the questions and you've got to get up to speed on your literacy. And so yeah. that example kind of you fast forward now to where we are today and what I see coming down in the next six months, 12 months, 18 months from an AI perspective, Yeah, this is going to be coming fast and furious. I mean, this is not, this is not just, I mean, chat GPT is the fastest uh, piece of technology to get to like, what it was a million or something. A hundred million users. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred million users in like two days or something. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. took, it took the TV like 50 years to get to that. Yeah. And so the, the amount of literacy that's out there and the amount of speed at which it's changing. I mean, Brian Piper in the, in the AI summit, his second slide was, you know, uh, a warning that this, this presentation will expire in one week because he was <laughs> like, everything I'm telling you, it's going to change. And I've, I've seen so much change in just the last three weeks that I'm having a hard time keeping up with some of the posting on, on, um, on, on LinkedIn. But I think that that's going to be the challenge is that everything is going to be coming fast. AR is, AI is going to hit hard and fast. The enrollment cliff is coming like a freight train. Yeah. Um, you're going to have a lot of senior leadership who just one don't have marketing illiterate literacy. Yeah. They don't have literacy on what's going on with the enrollment cliff. They are in higher ed, which let's just face it, folks, it's a slow moving ship and to turn it anywhere takes a long time. Yeah. And I think you're going to have a lot of um, a lot of generational discrepancies happening. Where I mean, I don't want to be stereotypical because I'm an Xer, and so I, I'm I'm a I'm an older Xer. You're going to have a lot of boomers and Xers basically saying, you know what, I'm checking out. This is too yeah. much. I can't yeah. manage this amount of change. And I think there's going to be a vacuum of leadership really quickly. Hmm. And um, and I think that it's because people are not preparing themselves and getting literate in these things. And you don't have to. The best way to get literate in something is just to try it. I mean, yeah. the way you learned to drive a car was to practice. Yeah. Um, you know, you didn't just show up and get behind the wheel of a Lam Lamborghini and just, you know, say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I mean, you, you actually had some practice and intentionality. And I think that's what 
I would recommend. Hey guys, it's Zach here, founder of Enrollify with some huge, huge news. So I am ecstatic to announce that Element 451, the AI-powered all-in-one CRM platform for higher education, has acquired Enrollify. Back in 2019, I approached Tony Frega, the CEO of DD Agency, with an idea. Tony's a good friend of mine, and so I said, dude, let's build a next-generation media hub for higher ed marketers and admissions professionals. As a lover of media, I was just so impressed by how the attention landscape was changing and how brands like The Skim and The Hustle and Morning Brew began to eat up market share from more traditional publications. And I thought there was an opportunity to build something similar, uh, you know, obviously a lot smaller, but similar in the niche, but oh so important arena of higher education marketing. Tony and the leadership at DD were gracious enough to allow me the time and the space to ideate on this half-baked idea and then launch Enrollify's first ever content asset, which was, you guessed it, the Enrollify podcast. Since then, Enrollify has grown into one of the most trusted resources for candid higher education marketing content in the industry, and we've welcomed industry giants like Terry Flannery, Jamie Hunt, Allison Tercio, Eddie Francis, Dave Kibbles, and Jeremy Tears, just to name a few, into our network of creators. As we started thinking about the next chapter of Enrollify's life, it became clear that it was time for Enrollify to scale. I'm pretty good at building things, but scaling things is a skill I'm still working on. When thinking about who could take Enrollify to the next level, I felt as if artists, Mallory, and the leadership at Element 451 were uniquely qualified to inherit the brand. Element has actually been a part of Enrollify's story since the very beginning. They were our second podcast sponsor ever. They have invested in almost every experiment that we've ever run. They ship product faster than any other ed tech company I've ever met. And perhaps most importantly, artists and the leadership team invest seriously in thought leadership and education. Building Enrollify has been the most rewarding experience of my professional career to date, and I couldn't be happier to collaborate with the Element team as we seek to take Enrollify to the next level. And don't worry, I'm not going anywhere just yet. You are not through with my lovely voice just yet. Um, but if you found any value in Enrollify over your years of tuning into our content or watching our videos, it would mean a lot if you could share a kind word or two about how Enrollify has helped inspire you or helped teach you something new about marketing on social media. It would really, really, really mean a lot to, to the whole Enrollify and Element team, but to me personally as well. So if you've gotten any value of any of the content that we've ever produced, share a quick story or, or a quick thought about us on social. That would be wonderful. Well, thanks so much for being here, guys, and get ready. We've got so much in store that I can't wait to share with you all soon. But for now, back to the podcast. I loved how you mentioned earlier, even just sort of digital marketing illiteracy and how that has uh, it was a perfect example that you that you illustrated there even from from my own ex experience working with senior people at at colleges and universities you'd be you'd just be surprised how they there's not a good understanding of like a benchmark for conversion rates from things like right. paid search ads right people don't understand the benefit of investing in SEO and how to how to how essentially to evaluate an SEO program over time, right? And yeah. and these the, the millions and millions and millions of dollars sort of are are at stake here. And I think it's one of those things where the rate of technology has just moved so quickly that the people in these positions of leadership, quite frankly, just they just don't know. They're smart people. They're very smart people. Oh this yeah. Isn't, this isn't a question about their intelligence, but. They don't. They don't have the framework. They don't have the language in order to ask good questions. So I, right. I ultimately believe that, like, if you're in a position of, of of leadership, you don't have the time to know all this stuff. You shouldn't know yeah. all of this stuff, which is why you partner with like a vendor, right? Exactly. But, but you absolutely should know how to ask great questions. And mm -hmm. and if you're not satisfied with the answers that that you get that 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 you receive, right? There, there's some sort of problem. And I think the reality of the situation is when it comes to, to AI, if digital marketing is complex uh, still to some folks, then there, there's no proper descriptor for how challenging something like generative AI will be for, for this audience. And so I think it'll be up to companies. I think Element 451 is doing a, actually a really good job at trying to you know, provide a lot of education here. You're doing right. this with, with your summit. But we need to do the work of helping make it really easy for people to at least have a grasp of how to ask good questions mm -hmm. about things that they don't understand.
And I will tell you that one thing that I've learned with AI that a lot of people haven't discovered yet is you can actually use AI to help you learn those things. Use that wow. as your as the That's person <laughs> to ask. Yeah. And so I I was uh, we were working on a project the other day where I needed to have a a, a piece of code and I, it was a piece of JavaScript that I knew that could write. So I sent it down to a couple of my developers that were working on it and they were like, I don't know how to do that. And I, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to either go to my deeper developer bench or I'm going to have to figure this out. I didn't have much time. Yeah. And so I threw it into chat. I was like, here's what I need to do. And here's what yeah. I got. Can you, can you write this for me? And it, it wrote it out, told me exactly what I needed to do in, in WordPress, how to do it, what to copy, what to paste. I followed the instructions and I was like, Hey, look at that. That worked. <laughs> and, but it's one of those things that I didn't know how to do it. I've also done some things where, you know, somebody gave me a report on a, on a pay-per-click campaign. It's not my expertise. I've got some people that I partner with vendors, but I was like, they just needed my take on it. I uploaded some of the things and I said, you know, act as a, as a pay-per-click expert for higher education ask, you know, get me the questions I need to ask about this. And so it generated a list of 10 questions. And so figure out what your tools are that you've got around you and use those. And those might be people, they might be relationships. They don't have to be chat GPT, but I mean, you know, I think a lot of people are connected to you on, on LinkedIn and to me and to others. Uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of people in higher ed that are just really willing to just help and so I think that, you know, I have people sometimes ask me on LinkedIn, Hey, yeah, I'm trying to figure this out. What are you, what are your thoughts or what do you, what do you think? And I'm happy to, you know, answer a 10 minute question, five minute question here and there, um, just to continue building relationships. And I think most, most of the best vendors and partners out there are, I hate the word vendor. Yeah, I like the word yeah. partner. Yeah. I think the best partners out there, we are willing to do that because at the end of the day, I think we all want to see success. Yeah, I, I want to pick your brain around the talent gap that you think AI will create specifically in the context of of higher ed, right? So if you're working as a marketer or an enrollment manager at a college or university and your partner, your, your digital partner is investing heavily in tooling their team to be able to do more work more efficiently, right? leveraging things like ChatGPT, and, and you know you're, you're they're able to do so they're able to maybe even like reduce their prices because they've mm -hmm. been able to be, become more efficient with the resources that you've given them what what does that mean from your perspective for for talent in higher ed proper like if you are listening to this conversation and you're working at a college or university right now and you're worried oh wow how am i going to compete not not just with an agency, but now with an agency that really understands how to leverage AI, what does that mean for for my skill set? What does that mean for for my job? What are what are your best predictions and and or thoughts on sure. how this how how this will affect practitioners in the space? I think the first thing to back up before I answer that question, because I mean it's it's a question that that kind of centers on you know a fear of the unknown. Yeah, And so I'm, I'm going to assume that anybody that has that question that you just asked also has the question, is AI going to take my job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think we have to back up to there to first say that, no, AI is not going to take your job. I, This is not the Terminator. These robots yeah. are not out to get you. I like to call them cobots instead of robots. It's <laughs> coll collaborative bots because they're collaborative, you know, uh, you know, tools. But and I forget who the quote is. I just saw the 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 uh, the, the the annotation of who the, who first said this. AI is not going to take your job. Somebody who knows AI is going to take your job. Mm, and yeah. so I think mm. that the important thing there is to is to do your own professional development. And I'm not saying you have to be an expert. You don't have yeah. to be, you know. But but I mean, a couple of good examples. I mean, Jamie Hunt I think has done a f phenomenal job of just trying to figure it out to her level of what she needs. And, yeah. and I think it's working great. And she's, she's now an expert in that. Yeah. And keep in mind, I, I presented at um, inside higher ed at, at their hashtag higher ed conference in, in June. And I said, from the stage, I said, you know what, you're looking at us as the AI experts, because you want us to talk about that. And I was talking with a couple other people on the stage. And I said, we're only about five months ahead of you on the, in the, in the journey. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, chat GPT has not yet celebrated its first anniversary, November 30th <laughs> of last year is when it came out. And so don't feel like you're so far behind because you're not. And yeah. so, um, you know, just, just start playing with it, start learning it. And, and even if you have a basic set of skills, 
you're going to feel a lot more comfortable about being able to ask the right questions, be able to in, engage with it. I, I, on this last presentation I did a couple hours ago, you know, it was a lot of people when I asked them in the, in the chat, I said, you know, how many of you have, have uh, used chat GPT and how many of you are using chat GPT plus? And it gave me a pretty good idea somewhere. Like I've never used it. I've heard of yeah. it. I'm scared of it. You know, my comment to them was, just go to it and have it help you with meal planning this week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, put in what you're saying. My kids don't like to eat this. They like to eat that. We like to do this. Give me five meal ideas and the recipes for them. Yeah, That's a way to just start having a conversation with it in a non-threatening way to just start getting comfortable with it and learn it a little bit. You'll get there. And, yeah. uh, but, but I, I think that the, the, the main thing is I think sometimes we let our fear keep us from, having fun and playing with something and exploring it. I mean, if you think about when we were kids, you know, all of us who grew up on some kind of, whether it was Atari or Nintendo or whatever yeah. it was, we didn't know how to use it. We, yeah. we watched a friend do it and it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. And you tried it and you messed up and you messed up and you messed yeah. up and, and then you got the hang of it and you start doing it. It's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a fantastic analogy. I, I love that. One of the things that I've been thinking about too is, as somebody who works with a lot of creatives, like working with a uh, working with design team, working with uh, technologists, developers, what when I, I'm typically the guy who has like the idea, right? But I right. have no actual creative talent, so I have to go work with people <laughs> that are actually talented to execute that idea, right? Right. One of the things that I've loved about Midjourney, for example, is being able to help provide more context and and like visual context about what I'm trying to get has has actually dramatically improved my relationship with like my design team it's yeah. cut down on incredible amounts of just back and forth trying to just understand vision right because you bart right and me we'll have an idea in our head we, we can kind of see it right right we, we might not be able to design it to to look how we want it to but we, we can kind of see it and being able to prompt these tools to create you know, a, a, a prototype, if you will, rather than, right. I mean, I remember I used to sketch on my notebook and I'd take like a photo of like this, like, you know, landing page, super lo-fi mock-up in my notebook and I'd slack it to my designer or whatever. And it was horrible. Like, and, and, it, and it took me a lot of time and it was still horrible. And, <laughs> and, and it really was, all it was, was where do you want block text versus form versus hero right. banner on a page, right? Now with these tools, I'm able to get to a product that's almost like shippable not not actually shippable yeah. but almost shippable and so then i can take I tell my designer hey here you go but just make this just do your thing to this and it saves everybody so much time and so one of the things i like to tell folks too when they're just starting out is especially if you find yourself in a in a traditional marketing role if you're a marketing generalist you know chances are you're working with specialists too and right. thinking about how do i do a better job at just effectively communicating my vision and and then craft prompts around that like that i think that that's a very helpful question to just start with because it's very practical it's very specific you're gonna have to map out a vision anyways whether it's on a zoom call whether it's on a sketch you know in, in your sketchbook and and leveraging these tools to to get you closer to that i think is um it, at least for me has been wonderfully helpful and has made me more comfortable with with prompting in general I think that's a great idea. And I think that, you know, you can even utilize, you know, mid journey and then, you know, even something as simple as Canva to be able yeah. to pull those things in and create kind of a mood board. A lot of times when we start uh, designs either for a website or, or some, you know, materials we're doing for a campaign, we might do a mood board where it's like, here's some colors, here's some fonts, here's some feel. We kind of want to get that feel of what we're trying to communicate. We do that a lot of times before we even sit down with an InDesign you know, file. And yeah. so I think sometimes really kind of creating that mood using mid journey to create the mood of the photography. Mm. I think, you know, you used to go in and you'd have to, you know, rip pieces out of, you know, photo, photo books or, or stock photos and things like that. You can still do that, but sometimes mid journey is getting powerful enough that you can kind of put some things in there. Even if you describe some emotions, you know, I want to, you know, create a hyper-realistic photo of a group of students under a tree at the, in autumn, you know, do this, do the typical three in a tree and just see what it comes up with. And, and uh, you know, and, and talk about golden hour and stuff like that. I mean, it's got, it's smart enough to figure out that, you know, what you're trying to do and then remember everything that you do with AI is a conversation. Yeah. You can't, yeah. you can't expect it to be like, you know, put, put a, 
put a quarter in and you're just going to get your answer out. It's, it's collaborative and it has to, has to go back and forth. So I like your ex- example there of mid journey. It's a good way to kind of get the, it's another tool to help yeah. you get your vision out. Well, I think what you just highlighted there is, is the, the difference between like search and AI, right? In that when you think about a Google search, it's, it's literally delivering you context, content that it has indexed and that right. thinks is relevant, you know, the most relevant piece of content, uh, content, singular piece of content, right? That is, um, that is going to be most helpful to answering your, your question or your, your, whatever your query is. Whereas to your point, AI is, is very conversational. And, you know, a lot of people that use ChatGPT for the first time, they, they use, they basically type what they would type into Google, but they just throw it into ChatGPT, right? And the problem with that, that is that it doesn't work that way. And it's like, <laughs> exactly. why don't I just use Google search like for, for meal planning? Like I might as well just, you know, read the first blog post that ranks number one for, you know, five meals this week that don't have fish because my toddler hates fish or whatever it is, right? Right. And yet, and yet to your point, it's, it's, it's a conversation. And the more you get to know somebody, the deeper you get to know them, right? The more they reveal, the more, you know, yep. vulnerable they feel to the more that they share. Obviously, AI yep. doesn't actually have emotion, but like, but that, that is, um, that, that, that is a wonderful observation. I, I want to get your, your thoughts, Bart, on as if, if you were guiding a client, right, of yours who was a senior marketing or admissions professional and they were like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm hearing all this stuff. I'm just like really busy. Our team is really busy. I know that we need to like kind of figure out how to use these things, but where like where do we start? Like from from a leadership standpoint, what can leaders do to help empower and or encourage their teams to get a little bit more literate with these AI tools? The uh, first and foremost thing is to get comfortable with it yourself. Hmm. You, you've got to lead by example. So if you want your team to improve their efficiencies, you have to improve your efficiency. If you want your team to use these tools to be more effective in your marketing or be able to come up with better ideas or creative solutions or better analysis of your enrollment data, you've got to lead by example. And so what I would suggest, and, and I've had several leaders who've taken me up on this. It's like, you know what? I can sit down with you for 60 minutes and walk you through the basics. And um, I've done that for a couple teams that are, you know, I, I do kind of fractional CMO work for a couple small clients that I have where they don't have a marketing team. So it's like, yeah. you know, hey, you know, you can consult with me for a couple hours a month and, and I'll get you there. What I have done with those teams, their enrollment leaders, their, their um, you know, VPs of, of enrollment or whatever it is at these tiny colleges, these micro colleges have under 300 students. Yeah. And um, I've realized that for those, those schools in particular, they are in a, you know, basically survive mode. And so you've got to figure out how can we be more effective at what we're doing? And so that's where I'm trying to teach them. And so I will go and teach them some things and then they'll go and kind of learn it on themselves. And so I've got, I've got one client who has really been like a duck to water and he'll send me notes every day. He's like, Hey, check out what I just did here on, on chat GPT or take a look at this. And man, I can't believe I'm doing this. And I'd say he's kind of, his expertise has grown tremendously over the last few months, just because he was willing to do it and invest a little bit of time. I mean, it doesn't take that much time. I mean, yeah. and, and like I said, I'm only a few steps ahead. You're only a few steps ahead of where everybody yeah. else is. I mean, yeah. and, and it's not like I'm going and spending, you know, 12 hours a day learning this stuff because I don't have 12 hours a day. I run a business. <laughs> I, I, I have a family. I do a lot of other things. And so if I can just, you know, steal away and do a little bit, I mean, now that I've got Chad GPT on my phone, I mean, on my walk, sometimes I'll, I did a, you know, I outlined a presentation I had to give for a recent conference just by on my walk. I just said, I just did some chat GPT prompts and said, Hey, I've got this presentation coming up, help me come up with some ideas, help me frame yeah. an outline. And by the time I was back, I could just, you know, email that to myself or jump on my desktop and copy and throw it in a Google doc. And I was, I was nearly done just from a walk. One of my favorite things to do in prompts is to ask or is to tell ChatGPT like who who they are, right? Like who, yeah. hey, I want you to write interview questions for this podcast I'm going to do in the style of Guy Raz from NPR or something like yeah. that, right? Like, yeah. and it's got to be like a relatively like notable figure, but but then it does, right? And, and oh, what's yeah. so fun about that is you can also ask it to write a hundred questions or 10 questions. Or like, so 
you you just get to all of a sudden be given this like laundry list of of oper you know uh, of options and then you know you can curate from from there accordingly but it's always fun when you ask it to be somebody that you respect or like an expert or whatever it is cuz the 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 quality at least in my experience of of output versus just saying, hey, give me some podcast interview questions. Oh, yeah. It's wildly different. It's totally oh, different. It's totally different. And that's the basics of prompt engineering is establishing that expertise at the beginning, giving it specific tasks. And then the thing I really like at the very end is saying, ask me as many questions as you need to do the best prompt, to do yeah. the best return. And yeah. so then all of a sudden it's asking me questions. And because I'm the human, I can say, well, the size of our school is this, or put the school name in there because it's smart enough to figure that out. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, I think it once you start having that conversation with it, I think that's when you start saying, oh, wow, the light bulbs start going off. And I, a lot of times I'll even treat it like it's my own personal assistant. And I was thinking, if I have an assistant, they're going to come to me and I'm going to tell them what to do. And I'm going to say, do you have any questions? Yeah. They're going to ask me questions and we're going to have a conversation to make sure that they're clear on what I'm mm. expecting. Yeah. And then when they come back with their first draft, I might say, you know what? It's not quite where I want it to be. I'm going to give them feedback. Mm. They're going to walk away and do it. Well, instead of that happening on Slack you know, over the course of three hours, it's happening in a chat GPT prompt in the course of three minutes. Yeah. And I think that's the way to start thinking about it. And when you start thinking about it that way, it does get kind of weird because you know, chat's been programmed to say thank you, or I'm sorry, or please. <laughs> and I find myself doing the same thing. It's like, oh, don't worry about that. That was great. And I'm like, I'm trying to encourage this thing. I, I need to kind of remember what I'm talking to. But you, you find yourself kind of quickly easing into realizing that, you know, treating it like it's a human. Yeah. I was talking to somebody recently who sort of admitted that, hey, I've figured out how to essentially make my job a lot easier with ChatGPT, but I'm scared to almost tell my boss about this because I don't necessarily like want more work or, or like, <laughs> I, like, I'm like, like literally they were like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, what used to take me five hours now takes me an hour and I'm kind of scared to admit that. And, or like the, the quality of work seems great. Like I haven't got any like, you know, poor feedback or their, their specific fear was that they revealed this to to their superior that they'd be way more critical of of their work um be, because oh you didn't actually write this it was ChatGPT or whatever it was and and i'm curious again that's that's silly it's a silly example but but i do think it's it it might be a real fear for for some people of, of almost saying you know what i don't really want to learn these tools because i don't really want to get that more efficient because i don't want more work or i'm already overwhelmed and i don't want to go back to my my boss and say hey this you know project that was supposed to take me a week only took me a day i'm you know what's next so getting back to that kind of question around how leaders can best empower their teams to get comfortable and excited about uh, leveraging generative ai once they become comfortable themselves what do you think are good exercises or encouragements or uh, you know essentially what can a leader do to excite their team about getting <laughs> used to using these tools without being fearful of either, right. you know, asking them to do more than they signed up for <laughs> and or, you know, scared of the ramifications that might come from content that was generated through ChatGPT. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot in that question. Let me kind of back it up a little bit. First of all, if you've got people on your team who are scared to tell you that they're using ChatGPT and because they don't want more work or they, they're they not sure how you're going to take it, you've got bigger problems than ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> you need to work out some basic dysfunction things that are going on in your team right now because the level of trust isn't there. And so yeah. I, I would start with with relational trust is, is where all this has to start with. Yeah. And then I think beyond that, I think it's a matter of then you know, once you're comfortable with it, I think it's a matter of exploring and playing. It, it goes back to that idea of playing. Hmm. You know, I, I think that, that we've got to get comfortable with recognizing that, okay, yes, we are working in a professional environment. Yes, we have, uh, you know, we have, you know, a list of projects that we have to get done and we have these different, these different ideas that have to happen. But if we can also designate some of these projects to say, okay, you know what, for this right here, we're getting ready to do a Let's say that you your team has to write a com flow for you know prospective juniors yeah. for traditional undergrad. Well, let's do this. Let's let's go ahead and start down that path, but let's see if we can use chat to kind of 
upload some of our previous com flows so it has a style and a tone that we're doing yeah yeah put up upload your workflow of, of when you're planning on you know is it plus two days plus five days plus 10 days give it a bunch of parameters and then say it's for this audience. We want best practices in email marketing. We want best practices in search engine optimization and see what it comes back with. I mean, you're going to have yeah. a long prompt, yeah. but those are the times when you're, when you do that as a team and you're like, oh my goodness, look at what that did. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's when the light bulbs start going off and it's like, oh, well, what if we did that with the alumni magazine? What if we did that with the posts that we need to do? And so that's where, you know, being able to kind of hear what other people are doing. That's why I really am excited about the AI summit and why I think that a lot of people have enjoyed that is because it is that idea of you're being able to see what other peers are doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, and going to places like AMA and listening to, to roundtables or going to NACAC or some of the conferences, it's always good to kind of see what everybody else is doing. Because again, we're in a, we're in an industry. I mean, I've done work in all kinds of industries and higher ed is unique in the sense that you would never have a, you know, a, a podcast like higher ed does in any other, you know, consumer electronics industry. I mean, where, where people are giving away, Hey, at RCA, we do this and at Motorola, yeah. <laughs> we do this. I mean, you're not, you don't have that. Higher yeah. ed is different in that where we share our ideas and, and we have a greater good. And so, again, I think trying it out for yourself, being the first guinea pig yourself, talking to your other peers at other institutions. I mean, most of us have conversations we do with other peers. Make, make chat one of the conversations that you do. Do a lunch and learn with your yeah. staff and just say, hey, we're going to brown bag it on Friday bring your laptops. We're going to play around with chat GPT. I, I heard this podcast with, with Zach and Bart, and they were kind of challenging us to do that. Pull it up and, and just yeah. start, you know, playing with prompts. Think about what your current project is. How can we do a, you know, what's a program sheet for the, uh, you know, the business department look like, give yeah. us some ideas. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love that. And I reminds me of a conversation I had with another individual recently who was telling me that they encouraged their team. They were like, all right, we're going to take this stuff seriously your your mission is every single day find one thing that you can do that's on your to-do list but that you can at least start with ChatGPT. Like exactly. just one thing, one thing. And then at the end of the week, report on, hey, this is what I did this week and this is what I learned. And this leader was telling me that it's been remarkably successful because they're not requiring somebody to do something a specific way. They're not like, hey, hey, instead of writing this email yourself, go to ChatGPT, create a prompt as the first step. They're, they're empowering their respective team members to to use the tool however they want within the context of something that they need to get done for for, for their job. And so it's it's given folks a, a level of uh, autonomy that I think people, no one likes to be told, hey, here you go, Bart. Here's like, you know, exactly yeah. what, how you need to use the tool, right? It feels like more work in that context. But it's yeah. really about, hey, how do, you, how do you reduce the amount of time that you have to spend doing the things that you already have to do? So right. that was a good idea. And then I also think, like, it, it would be really neat to get together and may, may, maybe it's, you know, watch one of the sessions from the, the AI Summit that you're putting on, uh, that you've just put on BART. Or, you know, maybe it's even coming up with, like, a list of, hey, here are, like, 10 prompt ideas or 100 prompt ideas that make sense given the work that your your respective teams do. And just, like, just ship it out to people and, and say, hey, I've done the yeah. work of crafting great prompts already for you. Just copy and paste this and see what happens and then iterate from there. Yeah. And remember, too, with, with chat now, if you've got Plus which is the, the subscription version, you can upload documents. So you could yeah. literally upload your course catalog and say, write a program description that's a marketing perspective for this particular program and include three sample proof of, uh, you know, social proof testimonials that I can go out and find somebody to agree to say. Yeah. And I mean, all of a sudden that would be a really effective web page or program sheet. And it's just, and you're using somebody it, that would take days to have yeah. somebody do that, but you could, you could see how far you could get with chat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love it. Uh, as we prepare to, to, to wrap here, Bart, when you think about the next couple years and you think about how AI literacy is going to become obviously increasingly important, what, what, if anything, do you think we need to, as an industry, keep in mind, not, I don't want to say to not use AI for, but I guess what I'm getting at is 
some of the criticism when it comes to especially crafting content with ChatGPT is that it ends up all just sounding the same, right? And right. ultimately, I think you could argue that that's just poor prompting. But are there are there aspects of marketing and communications that you think really need to be fully human, <laughs> if you will? Or are we living in a world where everything really should be co-piloted? Content right. should be created with you and a tool. Like, how do? Is there anything that you think should remain fully human in, in the next couple of years? And if so, what is that? My argument is: is is there anything right now that's fully human? I mean, you know, remove AI from the picture. Does that mean that I can't use my word processor? Does mm. that mean that I can't use a laptop? Does that mean I have to go back to, you know, a, a paper and a number two pencil? Does that mean I need yeah. to not use electricity? Mm. I mean, where do you stop yeah. that? Because yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I I did a post the other day. It's like just because you used uh, Chat GPT, you know, because you didn't use Chat GPT, doesn't mean that you are somehow more organic or free range in the way that you do your writing. <laughs> it just means that you didn't use that tool. Yeah. And it's kind of like the same thing that you know, twenty five, thirty years ago, somebody says, you know, I wrote this longhand. I did not use my word processor, and yeah. somehow feel proud about that. And I mean, it, it gets back to my tool analogy. It's like, it's a tool. Yeah. And so it's a tool that helps me like a hammer. I use the force of my, my body to push a little iron nail into a board. Yeah. Now I could use my thumb and try to do that. And it is very ineffective and I can't do it very well. I can use a rock and it can be a little bit better. So if I use a hammer or if I use a nail gun, I'm achieving the same goal. Yeah. I have something that's taking who I am and amplifying it for a specific need. So that's where it goes back to, is there really anything that's pure human? Because yeah. when we use tools, we're just taking our humanness and amplifying it for a specific goal. That's where we've got to get our minds wrapped around. I, I think this binary, it's bad, it's good, it's evil, it's its not, it's, it's going to be our savior. We have yeah. to get out of that thinking because I think that's the danger is that the pendulum could move around the other side and somebody could do some amazing things with AI. And now all of a sudden I could see board members saying, well, do we really need an admissions team? I mean, we can yeah. do this all with AI. Do we yeah. really? No. Cause at the end of the day, it comes down to relationships. Yeah. We're in a relationship business and that to me is the only thing that you cannot do. You can do things that will amplify your relationships, Yeah. but at the end of the day, Chat GPT is not going to be able to sit across the table from a family and say, we really want your student here at our school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so well said. And in terms of amplifying it too, I even think just about the amount of context, like eventually as this continues to progress, admissions counselors have to manage a lot of relationships, right? And it's hard It's hard to like really deeply know a lot of people, right? right. Especially prospective students. And yet if you had, a, a, you know, at some point in the future, a, an agent that could give you, if, if I'm the admissions counselor and I'm sitting down with Bart and his family and I can ask the agent, hey, help me like find something that Bart and I, Bart and I can connect on. Like what is something that the two of us have in common, right? And then it turns out, hey, maybe we, we love the same restaurant or, you know, we, we love the same sports team, whatever it is. If I can in real time in that conversation, then come up to you and say, hey, Bart, you know, after, after the small talk, we talk about our favorite restaurant or I say, hey, I, I really like the Jets too, or what, whatever it is that that just increases the amount of vulnerability and connection that we right. have. And and that's yeah. what's going to happen is we're going to all oh, gonna yeah. have these agents that are going to help us become essentially. And, and you know, my, my intent to get to know you is, is an absolute genuine intent, right? I, I want to find other opportunities to connect with you. I can't connect vulnerably and intimately with hundreds of people that might be right. on my inquiry list, right? But you, leveraging these tools can make those little connection points actually possible and can in turn develop stronger relationships than I think we're even imagining right now. Yeah. Uh, here's my prediction. Uh, fall 26, 25, maybe uh, college fairs. Mm. People are going to be wearing uh, meta glasses. They're coming out on October 26, $249. Mm. What you look at, you can engage with AI. So instead of stopping and pulling up your CRM, looking up the student because you think you know who they are, finding out about them, standing there looking awkward, you can look at them and you can either say, you know, uh, help me understand this person. 
they will basically be able to biometrically recognize and say that Zach Buzikrez, he yeah. is interested in this, give you all the information <laughs> that's in your CRM and you can, and you met them three months ago at a college, you know, at a, at an event. Yeah. You'll be able to say, Hey Zach, it's good to see you again. And that's going to feel that they're going to be like, wow, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. That that's augmentation. That's going to happen. That's going to come. And it's just going to be part of our life. And it's not going to be weird because it's going to be just, honestly, it's going to be expected in some ways. Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's just going to be another tool. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, Bart, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm super excited about the work that you're continuing to do. And thank you for just all, all the time that you spent creating great content to help educate all of us on how to get better with these tools, how to think differently about marketing strategies. If folks want to connect with you and learn a little bit more about Killer Solutions, I'll be sure to have all of your social handles in the show notes below, as well as a link to your website. And of course, a link to your podcast, The Higher Ed Marketer, which is a fantastic show. If you're not already listening to Bart's podcast, be sure to add that to your podcast queue. But thank you so much, sir, for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Zach. It's been a pleasure to be back. Appreciate it. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Enrollify podcast. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.